0: some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Hi, friends. Before we begin this episode of Equipped to Be, I have an announcement to make. The Focus on the Family broadcast that I had previously mentioned that would be airing on the 23rd of December 2020 actually got rescheduled and moved to December 31st. Now, this is part of their Best of 2020 series that I was honored to be part of. You can still purchase it in digital format. Uh, You can go listen to it on the broadcast. I will have it in the show notes. I will also have it on my social media channels. And you can visit Focus on the Family Best of 2020 series. I hope you tune in and listen to it. And I hope it blesses you and encourages you as you begin. A new year with your child and creating opportunities to paint pictures of possibilities for your kids. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Equip to Be. I'm glad you're with us today. Hey, I think you must have really loved that episode. My child would not do that because I'm getting tons of messages. You know, it's funny when you touch on a subject that resonates with people because most people think they're alone. And clearly when they're faced with My child wouldn't do something until they do. There's this like mortifiedness about you. Like, oh, I must be a failure. So I'm glad you enjoyed that episode. But, you know, I say this every time and I know you guys are used to it. This one is a good one. It's going to be on the more serious side. I want to encourage you, grab a notepad, use your phone, do something to take notes as we talk with Candace Duggar. Candace is an amazing woman. She's a friend of mine. She actually had me on her show, Homeschool Reimagined, back when the world was changing. And she is the founder of Bullied, Broken, and Redeemed. And she is a national recognized anti bullying expert, author, speaker, trainer. Candace and her team, they specialize in equipping leaders parents and youth on all aspects of the Gen Z bullying. You know, we don't think about bullying if you're a homeschool parent, but with over 40 million students, that's right, 40 million students being educated in some form in the home right now, bullying is happening. And I just want to tell you folks, Bullying has been happening for a long time. I'll share a little bit more about that story with you later in the program. But Candace has been featured on NBC, CBN, FRC. She is a top trainer for Fortune 100 companies, keynote speaker. You know, she's just truly an anti-bullying warrior. And she is coming on the program today to help you and help all of us identify what is actually going on in our culture with our kids, how our kids are being targeted, and what you can do to help your children, whether you're a parent, a teacher, a grandparent, wherever you are, if you have any children involvement, coach, an athletic trainer, anything like that, this program is for you. So let's bring in Candace and let her tell us a little bit more about herself. Candace, thanks, welcome to the program.
1: Connie, I am so excited to be with you again. It is just always a joy to talk with you. You're a wealth of knowledge. And even for myself and our homeschool journey, you always bring information to me that I desperately need at the right time. So Aww. I what I need to keep my heart going for the week. You're so, so, so I sweet. appreciate
0: it. Well, lady, you're tearing it up out there. My goodness, you are blazing a trail to equip parents and help youth and, you know, really Oh my goodness, really build stronger relationships within the family as we equip our kids to be able to stand up or or fight through or come back from the whole bullying element in our society. And we're going to have a great conversation. I'm so excited. But would you tell my listeners a little bit more about you that, you know, I didn't read from the bio?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, I'm mom. that was outside of the Washington, D.C. area with my two kids and my husband. My husband and I are actually met at 18 and have been together. It feels like forever and a day, but it has been such a wonderful blessing. And we have two kids, 12 and 17 now. And uh, I have been homeschooling going on six years with my oldest and three years with my youngest. I actually, both my kids were in public and private school, and we ended up pulling them out to homeschool, which is a big part of our journey. And we now just, you know, it's so funny, I always looked at homeschooling was like, I could never do that. And now I can't imagine my life any way different. You know, I just, it's so funny. Once I've transitioned and seen outside of what life could be, I just couldn't imagine anything different. So we've been very blessed.
0: I think there are going to be millions more families that have that same, that catch a vision that do see the incredible opportunity afforded to them, even though, you know, the world has gone crazy in 2020. I mean, you know, the memes crack me up, to be honest with you. Some of them are just super hilarious. But there's some really positive things that have come out of 2020. And that is families are spending more time together. Parents are actually learning what their kids were learning in school, which somewhat, you know, horrifies them. Because there's things that they thought the kids were being taught the three R's and they found out it's everything but the three R's in some schooling situations. And that's where you kind of bridge the gap. It's not that you teach these soft skills like manners and all that, but tell me, you know, we talked a little bit before we went online, but tell me about what led you to homeschool and tell our listeners this story because it's really the pivoting point in your life. And really, I guess God used it to pivot you from one thing to starting a whole new movement, a whole new business uh, to reach and change and equip millions of parents.
1: It did. Well, several years ago, when my son was in seventh grade, we had um, really seen a child who was happy and enjoying life and a part of our family and really just joyful. Go from a complete 180 to coming home isolated, going to his bedroom, the basement, just changing his clothing, always dressed head to toe and hoodie, just a very different child. And I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know how wrong it was. And we had approached the school about, um, he, we knew there was a little bit of bullying going on and I had approached the school about it and didn't hear much else after that. But I saw my son start to take darker and darker turns through the year. And I, I just being in prayer, I prayed about it. And the Lord was very clear to me that you need to homeschool that child um, or we'd lose him. And at the time I did not know he had already attempted suicide two times. I almost lost my son to suicide, and it was really through God's intervention and me being obedient to the Holy Spirit that I feel like we still have our son because we we pulled him out. My husband and I were both—my husband looked at me like I had eight eyeballs. He's like, we're not homeschooling. I'm like, oh, yes, we are. <laughs> we need to do this, and it took a while. It took a year for God to really work on his heart to see that this is what we needed to do, but— we brought him home and we had a child who, um, it took him once he was home with us and knew we weren't putting him back in school about nine months before he ever really started to unravel and share with us all the pain he was really dealing with. And as a parent, it was horrible. I could not believe what my child had experienced daily, that I didn't even know was going on. And we're very involved parents, right? We're here, we're both involved, we're in the home, we were... Working with him after school and all sports and athletics, we thought he had a handle on it. But to realize how close we were to losing our son so many times was really eye-opening to me. And so I, I had this son that was um, broken to the point that he's really bright. He could speak four languages by the time he was five. Really bright kid. But when I brought him home in seventh grade, he could hardly write a sentence for me. He was so broken in a shell that it took me a year of working on his confidence, working on just his self-esteem, getting him to a point that I I just put him in classes. I knew he was great in history. So we started high school really early and I took this child to give you guys some hope out there. My parents with some hope. I took a child that I really thought I was going to lose to a place now that he is starting his senior year He is being recruited by top colleges. We've even gotten notifications from Princeton and Harvard. They've started following him on his athletic track. He speaks nationally with me. He's getting certified as a life coach. He has started college. And all of that from a child who was just broken and wanted to give up on life. And homeschooling allowed me that flexibility to to really help him from from every aspect that he needed in life but I will tell you Connie what really broke my heart as a parent was what I needed were resources and help and when I went out there looking for it everything is go to the school go to the teacher go to the administration there's so little help and information for parents to help your children heal to even identify or know what's going on it was like a light bulb went off in my mind and I was like whoa These issues are not a school issue. They're a cultural issue. They're happening in our church groups. They're happening on our sports teams. They're happening in our families. They're happening in workplace. Bullying has become such a cultural issue. It is not a school issue. Yet we don't have resources to equip parents and leaders on how to handle it. If you're in the school system, they do some training for teachers, but it's we'll take care of it. Keep that over here. Not to equip parents who are on the front line of defense who can step in and have the tools they need. So that's really how we started our ministry with fully broken redeemed.
0: There were a couple of things Candace that I want to just kind of point back out that it's part of your story and I think it's part of probably most parents story if if you're married don't expect your spouse to be on the same page initially that you're on to see exactly what you're seeing. That's the beauty of, you know, uh, having having two parents is they're not always going to see or their antenna is going to go up right away at the same point. So if that is you, and you are you're in this situation, Candace, give us like a couple points. What did you do? As you were waiting for your husband to kind of come around? What did you do to, to facilitate that?
1: Well, first, I will let everybody know I actually had this Inkling the end of sixth grade, I had this feeling that God was calling us to homeschooling, and I wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> I felt this like a little um, piece in the back of my head that God was calling me to look at it. And when I brought it up to my husband, he was like, "No way, we're gonna we're gonna do seventh grade and see." And so it wasn't the very first time I approached approached it with him. But once he had seen the constant back and forth with the school and where our son had gone, It was really through prayer. I prayed a lot. And then when we sat down, the conversation was, we we talked about our fears. It was, what are your fears and concerns? And he had a lot of worries. We have a child that was really gifted in athletics. And he was like, I'm worried he won't have this or that. Or we started talking through
0: the concerns. And those are normal. And then we, those are very those normal. Are normal. So they're not to very be marginalized. Normal. Yeah, they're important. Mm-mm. I like that.
1: They were important. And so we started tackling them one by one. And honestly, God opened doors to show us where the opportunities were in our community for football, where the opportunities were for us, for him to be able to have enrichment classes. I knew nothing about homeschooling besides a few people in my church I knew that did it. I knew nothing. Nothing. So he got just started laying out and kind of breaking down these barriers for our family and tackling them one by one. And what it really came down to, I think it was the night that I looked at him and I, I, I just said, I just have to tell you, I don't see enough pros over here. Sending him to school does not have enough benefit that is worth my son's life. And it was in that moment that he stopped and was like, You're right. It's all so trivial. Right. When we really got down to it, there was nothing that school could offer that was worth my son's mental health or his life. And it was almost in that moment that he just kind of it was like a shift. And I feel like that was really God's intervention of giving me the words because it wasn't mean spirited. It wasn't. It was just very much in peace that I've heard you and we've worked through this. But where I'm coming from. There's nothing in that building.
0: All right. That's, that's an important thing because we know when we're not together, it can add to the stress and the tension that's already going on within your child. So if mom and dad can have a unified approach and they're on the same page, it makes helping our children even better. So let's go to my kids. I, I shared, I haven't talked publicly about it. I do talk a lot about social media and anonymous apps and the threats that are coming through online, which we now know You know, kids are spending an enormous amount of hours on their devices, and they're constantly being targeted. And the experts in those app creations and in the virtual world—they know exactly how to reach your child. Uh, They're way smarter than us. I'll just tell you right now—they know all, all the different tricks of the trade. When you have said, "Okay, we're going to do this," and you're looking over across the board, you could find, oh, this is how we have our our manners. And these are the, how do we have our, all these soft skills, developing our people skills, and here's math and reading. But you couldn't find anything for the child to prepare a parent or help a child learn how to tackle when they're being bullied. And, you know, going back to your comment, Candice, to be honest with you, our kids are watching adults bully our country. I mean, that's what cancel culture is, adult bullying and shaming and guilting until they can drive somebody into submission. It's actually worse in some regards because they know better. Sometimes our kids can get caught up in this stuff and they don't really think about it because they're behind a device, but adults do know better and they know exactly what they're doing and they're, they're driving that message home. So, Candace, let's really focus on now. What do we do, and you can start with, what do we do as a parent to recognize it, or what do we do to help our kids if if our kids are being harassed or bullied? Well, first,
1: let's just take a moment and identify bullying. I hear so many throw the terms out, my child's being bullied, or they weren't invited to sleep over, they're being bullied. One of the easiest ways that we help folks understand bullying is, I'm going to help you guys break it down into one way that was taught to me, and it's called ARP. So is it aggressive? Is the behavior aggressive? Is it repetitive or is it being a repeated offense or is it a very, very strong threat? Right. One time. And is there a power imbalance? It takes those three things need to happen when you're dealing with bullying. Bullying is never about conflict. Right. I think that's a big one that people need to realize when a bully is bullying they have no desire to have conflict resolution. So when we start trying to implement and look at conflict resolution or telling our children who may be being bullied, who somebody is coming after them and attacking them over and over again with the intention of putting them down to create power over the child, that creating conflict resolution is never gonna be appropriate to suggest. And many parents will say, well, have you tried being nice to them? Have you tried to talk it out? You have to understand if you're dealing with a bully, not going to work because they have no desire to make it better. They're actually, their intent is to harm your child. Their intent is to create a power imbalance. They want to upset the victim. They genuinely do not want reconciliation. And to leadership, they may say so. Like, oh yeah, we'll say I'm sorry and walk away, but there's no genuine need for it to be resolved. And also, conflict happens occasionally. Bullying is, repetitive, right? So it's it's happening over time. So I think that's one of the biggest things that parents need to identify is if you're dealing with bullying, you want to make sure that you're preparing your children with tools and tips to actually make a difference. Because if you're sending them in to try to resolve conflict resolution skills with a bully, it's not going to work. You're going to end up doing exactly what the bully wants you to do. You're, they're trying to defend themselves or justify themselves or reply back in a way that just escalates the situation because you've you've really fed into what a bully wants out of you. that you upset and angry and frustrated. There, it's a toxic relationship. And so we we don't engage. That's one of the biggest things with bullies in your life is do not engage. That's what they want.
0: So you don't want to engage, but yet sometimes bullies happen in church. It happens oh, yes. in co-ops. Yes. And you tell your child stay away from that kid. He's <laughs> you know, you you know what that we tell him. Oh, yeah. we, we don't Absolutely. tell him go punch him in the nose, which is, you know, back in the day you went and fought it out and it was all all fine, but that doesn't work and that's not appropriate um, to do that. Um, however when it's happening in those safe places, the places that we have our guard down, you know, we think our kids are being taken care of and being looked after or watched over. If you're talking about the repeated bullying and they get called out and they're say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then, you know, they're really trying to get your child to a position of submission to them and their, their ways to succumb to them or silence them, Right. Yes,
1: absolutely. So let's break it down. Let's say you're in a church. Let's give one example. You're in a church group or in a co-op group or any situation. Your child has come to you and told you, number one, they're being bullied. Or another parent many times may come to you and say, you know, my child has noticed some behavior that's happened to your child in class. Is everything okay? Right? Because sometimes another student will step up. Any information your child gives you. Parents, I just, I want to speak to your heart real quick before I move on to the second one, because any information your child gives you, try to treat it like a gem. And I know sometimes it is the most precious gift they can give you. They're showing you into their heart. And so if you can take a moment and pause and say, that must be really hard. Would you share more? Because you may not have the whole story. Make sure that we have the whole story, that we understand what's going on, that we can see our child's perspective. And then writing and documenting things down. When we're approaching a situation with bullying, if we have been able to document a case, if we've been able to write down, it's harder to be dismissed. When your child comes to you and says, This is happening in this class, this is what's happening in this class, and you have it written down and documented, and you use the words that were happened. Was your child assaulted? Is your child being harassed? Are there words that go with the behavior besides bullying? And so, really understanding, because people tend to, Sometimes dismiss the word bullying, but my child is being assaulted on the playground three times this week. And here's where it happened. Here's the students that were here. And here's other parents who have told me. that. Here's the document. And I'm concerned about this repetitive behavior that we need to discuss, right?
0: And so those are the words you want us to use as a parent, right? Yes,
1: use okay. firm, strong words that actually identify the behavior. Are they being harassed? Are they being sent? messages after messages after messages are they being harassed online right do we understand harassment and can we put the words to it that speak to our adult language of criminal activity or behavior that sounds bigger bullying is very important but i almost feel like it needs a new word because oh, there is no federal law down a little
0: bit has not it it's
1: watered oh, yeah. down huge but can we identify the behavior that's happening in a situation so that we can make sure that we're having this situation taken seriously because it can be very serious it doesn't just happen sometimes in one place Connie. it'll happen right there in the classroom but then the, what becomes so harmful to a child's mental health or an adult's mental health is that person starts coming after them online the kid might be gaming in an xbox and they've created fake accounts or come after them in that direction and they start piling up on them and gaming bullying they come after them in their attacks and snapchats so or they've made funny videos of them in class that they're posting online and making fun of them. And so it's not a situation that's always right there in that one spot. They've come after them in the cyber world. They've come after them in their gaming world. They've come after them even in places they feel they're safe. And can you imagine being a young child and feeling you have no place that's ever safe? it's not like when we grow up and came home.
0: I know it's you're so right. And I think about uh, I I often talk about apps. And you know, I, I speak a lot about the hidden apps. And what is a parent supposed to do? And, you know, most parents are a little surprised when I would say, you know, I didn't eliminate everything from my children to be able like social media platforms. My point has always been teach them how to have a positive social footprint, you know, they're Otherwise, they step out of your house at 18 into college and they're totally oblivious. They can get derailed rather quickly and they can be hurt and attacked. But the one thing, Candace, that you haven't mentioned that I know you do is they're being attacked through their game systems and, you know, on social media platforms in broad daylight, let's say. But there's so many anonymous apps. There's one that's really, it's it's. there's a lot of really toxic ones. But, you know, the kids will create a rumor about another child, another classmate, or somebody in their church that your kid doesn't even know exists. And they post it and they share it. And the way that child who created the rumor is rewarded is by, you know, basically likes and hearts. I and mean, it's not likes and hearts, but they're rewarded for having more people... Comment on it, their elevation goes up, whereas your child might not even be aware that their reputation or their character is being maligned. And when they do find out, they're just leveled because how do they fight? That's an invisible fight. What do they do with that, Candace?
1: It's an invisible fight, Connie, and what makes it so hard is it pierces right to the heart of something that's your integrity that you know is not true, and it's slanderous, and it's against your character, and you're sitting out there trying to figure out how to fight that. So what do you do? Number one, uh, first, as a parent, because I've actually had this happen, we've had uh, several, several cases with clients that work with us, and even in our own family, where fake accounts were happening, people came after us. Number one, first and foremost, the first thing you find out is stop and talk with your child. Before you start trying to figure out and go after and fix the situation, guys, stop and connect to your child's heart, okay? Uh, we're mamas,
0: man. We, you know, we get, we get a little whiff in the air and we're going. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're ready to go to battle.
1: But a part in that they get missed sometimes is that brokenness in front of you with that child putting the phone down, set it to the side for a bit and connect to their heart because I find myself, I'm a mama bear. I want to go attack, but I need to take care of the person in front of me first who has been hurt. And um, one of the things that I hear so many times parents say as well, they must be hurting or the bully must be hurting, or let's just pray for them because they've been hurting. And it is true. We need to pray for those who hurt us. However, and I, for little, for people that have little ears out there, just keep that in mind <laughs> as to what I'm getting ready to say. But we would not sit in front of a victim who had been sexually assaulted and ask them to pray for the person who had hurt them first. We need to take care of the heart of the person in front of us. And so can we take a moment and make sure our child's okay? And sometimes that needs to be we need to step away from social media for a little bit to let things cool down. Number two, Yes. I will tell you, I myself have gotten involved in situations like this and come to the heart of it. However, I will tell parents to be very, very cautious in today's world. It is not like going to knock on your neighbor's door and confront them. We live in a world today that that can be a very dangerous thing. So we want to make sure we're documenting our case. Screenshot everything that's happened. And we try to preventively teach our children before they're ever in this situation. You want to provide them with the tools up front. Anything they can have in recordings. And obviously, everybody pay attention to your state and local laws because I know where your podcast is everywhere and, and things are different in different states. But make sure that you're documenting everything you can. Can your child take screenshots out of it? Can they keep it? Because you may have to find a situation, Connie, and several families they have to escalate it to a police and file a report of harassment. And they are having cases that they have to get people involved in outside of it. So if it's something that you can document, make sure you have records, keep everything, and keep it backed up on more than one device. Print out anytime that you can. We try to keep paper files and document, 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 because. In today's world, if you don't have that, it's very difficult to prove the case. Can you block the people, depending on the apps, because everybody knows things change all the time. And one that I've actually, is not as much of an app, but a game that I've had a lot of problems with are new games that have come out that put people in private chat rooms. And Right. So you're meeting them online. You don't know them, but children start to get a little bit of comfort zone. So they start to share a little bit of information with them. They may share where they live and people find out information with them. And they start engaging in behavior of finding out information and then on other profiles and then moving that information online to share and really kind of doxing information about your kid or other things they'd be doing. And, And it's meant to intimidate. It's meant to bully. It's meant to scare them to death. And it's, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible because some people have very ill intentions, even if they aren't students that your children know, but people they're meeting online. There's a lot of people in the sex trafficking and grooming world who take that information, bully them into private rooms, have them send a picture and then use it as blackmail against them. And unfortunately, our kids, when we don't take the time to talk to them or be a safe space that they can come to you if something's going on, they may feel trapped. And so I always try to make sure parents talk early and often. The early conversation today, Connie, is the birds and the bees. That's easy conversation. We all get that one. The hard conversations are how do we do with this? Especially if your child maybe was part of the group who was starting some of these things.
0: Mm. You know, it's interesting uh, you're saying that because when do we usually start the birds and the bees talk? Usually when your kids are in you know, mid middle school. And we know that this kids are online now at a younger age. And we know that the stalking the targeting is happening at a much younger age. I believe you and I were talking and you said fourth grade now is that is that right? Oh, much younger.
1: So the average age that children are being bullied and gaming is nine years old,
0: nine years. So old. what
1: I see, nine years old uh,
0: listeners, just think about that for a minute. Look at your sweet little eight, nine-year-old, and then just pause for what you've just heard Candace talk about, how that's a very young age. Their brains are so underdeveloped with the reasoning skills, and, you know, they're still very trusting at those ages. Who would hurt or harm them? They're nice people, you know, so that can cause a problem as well. So nine years old, okay, can p- go on.
1: Nine years old is the average age that we see gaming bullying. And I think one thing that we also have to recognize as adults is we need to be really careful with the words that we choose around our children when we say bullying is part of growing up. Many people, I hear that a lot. It's just a natural part of growing up. Well, to be really honest, Connie, one in four girls are sexually assaulted by the time they're 18 and one in six boys are. And one in four kids are being bullied. And so does that make it a normal part of growing up? We really have to be careful with the words we're choosing because bullying and we can lead to harassment, it's leading to assault. You're dealing with the child's brain development, you're constantly sending them words. A lot of times, from uh, they're dealing with things that can come up from revenge porn that is sent to them. I mean, awful, awful things that teenagers are dealing with their younger children. And yet, we can dismiss it. And if we're not careful with our words, then our kids may feel like it's not being taken as seriously as it is. And so, we also don't really think of that some of the worst ages of bullying, many of us might think that cyberbullying is going to be toughest with the teens. It's actually our young adults. Those 20, like <laughs> 31 year olds are actually, you know, the statistics that come out, it's our young adults who can be some of the cruelest, who are adults that should know, but there are young adults who can be really intense on cyberbullying. And so my heart is to really try to make sure that our parents, as you said, we're launching them for that 18 and up. When we're launching our children, have we equipped them to really know what to do if they're confronted in person, in the workplace, bullying, online? Do they know even laws or how they could document or what to do or who to report to? Discrimination and bullying, all of these things, do they know? Could they be effective leaders in the mission field if they saw it? Could they put vocabulary to it? A lot of people think they're going to know bullying. They're like, know well, it when we see it, but sometimes it can be tricky. Yeah, it's very
0: because subtle. Because these kids can it? be
1: really close. It's very subtle. Yeah. And also workplace bullying and adult bullying can look different. And so can we equip them for that? So when our kids launch, if they're dealing with it from a professor, and, and Connie, this is something hard that many parents don't realize. A third of the calls that we get on our team mm-hmm. are from teachers and adults or coaches bullying their children. Mm. One third of the calls I get are not from children to children bullying. It's from adults, teachers, authority leadership, figures. workplace, profess authority, yes. And it's difficult because evil only bows to authority. And so who is that authority person in that person's
0: life? And there's a fine line there, Candace, because we we do need to respect those in authority over us. We we teach our children to do that. And it is a fine line. I will say, okay, um, I'm looking at our time here. And all right, let's let's just do this. Uh Candace, can I can I have you back on the program? Can we can we do part two so that we can I finish? I feel like that. we have some more numbers. <laughs> That we need to we, add. There's here. a lot out there. There's a lot out there, Connie.
1: There's, you know, when you start to unpack it, it reminds me almost like an octopus. It's got all of these tentacles, and when you start really unpacking it, you're like, wow, it spreads so rich and deep into our culture that we've almost become desensitized to it to a little bit. But when you unpack it, it's pretty big.
0: Yeah, you know, you can act like an ostrich and put your head in the sand and say, "Oh, this will never happen," but it does. And I know that. One out of 10 kids being bullied will tell their parents. One out of 10. That means your kids could be being bullied, but they're being intimidated. Like you said, Candace. they can be manipulated. They can be threatened. And they're being quiet. They may tell their friends.
1: And 70% may never tell anyone so it's one out of 10 will tell their parents but 70% never even ask for
0: help and and that's where where we as parents have to step in know our children notice like you had said with your son you were noticing behavioral changes and that you know on our next episode let's let's talk about what behavioral challenges and some specifics of what parents can do to kind of enter that. But uh, as we close this out, just take a minute and tell, I know you have a, a new course that's coming out. It's coming out January 4th, right? Of 2021. Tell us a little bit about that and where people can find you online.
1: Yes, well, you guys can find me online at Um You can always find us on Facebook too, but we have put together, I call it a middle and high school class. It is, 16 lessons for kids out there to understand things we've talked about today, everything from bullying and adult bullying, but we also even cover things like social media addiction to know if they're stepping into that category, how protecting themselves online from some of the things that we talked about today, conflict resolution skills, when it's appropriate, how can they handle conflict resolution? And and then we talk about some basic, lots of just fun activities throughout it to really make it hands-on for them. So we're just so excited. It's actually, we have groups around the world who are starting to run it in small groups for us from leadership groups and co-ops and schools. So we could not be more excited to try to really help parents have the tools to kind of, many of us in the homeschool community, we took grammar and science and math. So we understand how to teach those. But all of these new things that you and I have unpacked today can feel heavy. So we have it all video taught. So no parents have to teach it, right? It's all very (laughs) hands. My, I can do all the teaching on videos with um so that parents can really be there for discussion. It's not full yet, right? It is okay. not. It is uh, not. It will be. We, are, we do have openings and it's going to be online. Yes. We have actually, we have several groups that have sold out, but we have our program all online and it can be self paced. So anybody can buy it just look so curriculum and sign up and do it for a family and we charge one price per family not per student because our goal in our ministry here is to help serve as many people as possible
0: I love it I love it and if i tell you what listeners again this is a great resource for you it is not something that is often talked about it may be whispered here or there if something is happening but I'm going to encourage all of you to take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and dive deep into this topic so that maybe it's not your child. Maybe it's your friend's best friend. Maybe it's your child's best friend, or maybe it's your best friend's child. So we all know it is happening. It's happening in broad daylight, <laughs> so to speak. It's not all in secret like it used to be, and it can be very subtle. A child that's not prepared for it, or a parent who's not kind of in tune can do irreparable damage to your child and like candace said her own son attempted suicide because it had gotten and escalated so bad and they were engaged parents and i will tell you on part two of our segment i will share with you a couple of stories from my own family that we had to work through as it relates to how do we move to the next step so we've we've identified it we know we have to have the right terms we know we need to document we need to stop and just enter into the hard place where our children are and let them express that vulnerability so that they can feel that you hear them. Our kids need to be heard and then they need to be affirmed. I know that has got to just be heartbreaking for you. Our kids need that and we can provide that for them. And Candace has some great resources to help you with that. So Candace, we're going to wrap up this episode uh, with Candace Duggar and hey come back because we're going to continue on with part two and this is where again just grab that notepad and paper and let's take some notes so that you can help your children navigate this very very complex complicated world so they come out on the other side able to stand strong and firm and confident in who they are and who God has made them to be Candace, thank you so much for joining me
1: thank you Connie it's been a delight I can't wait for part two